Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. I'm going to paint a picture for the audience today. (laughs) I'm going to paint a word picture for you. The picture is this, our podcasting studio. Oh, (laughs) that is a unique sight. I use the word studio loosely. Yeah. What you can currently hear in the background is the sound of a dog licking underneath the door that is closed. (laughs) Yeah. That is only one of the things, so I will edit that sound out. That's that's a sound I can remove. What a stinker. Yeah. I didn't even hear him. headphones blocked it out he's so sneaky (laughs) and also i don't know maybe you could describe a little bit about this room that we're sitting in right now it's a guest bedroom Mm -hmm. so it's carpeted has a bed Uh and uh it is also where i like to hang my laundry to dry so Mm -hmm. it adds as a sound barrier we have basically created a tent because we read on the interwebs that if you create a tent of materials clothing or otherwise (laughs) that you can essentially buffer the sound and it will sound better so we're we're sitting in a blanket for it right now, yeah, everybody. Yeah, there's a blanket with all the clothes hanging over it. And... It's kind of like safari themed. Yeah. For our <laughs> for the mental safari we're going to take you all on. Yeah, adventures. Adventures. Oh, also, before we move on, I wanted to remember to do this at the front of the episode instead of the back of the episode for once in my whole life, <laughs> which is to talk about our Patreon. You guys, if you're liking what we are, if you're picking up what we're putting down, please. Support us, please. Yeah. Help help us. We're, help poor. us. we're poor. Yeah. We're just trying to do this more often. And so we have a Patreon, www.patreon.com slash shit your shrink thanks. We have different levels of support. Keep in mind that we don't have everything up on the different levels yet right. that we want, but we will be getting more. So the first level will kind of be like tip jar support. And we'll talk about this again at the end. And then the next levels will have attachments to like handouts or meditations or things like that. Yeah, there's a lot we want to do and a lot of content we want to provide. Uh, and the more you support us, the more likely we'll be able to do that. Yeah, it's not going to be on a faster timeline. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to all be up there up front, but this is a, a promise that it will be up there at some point. You got to give us like just a couple months. Yeah. So what's good with you this week? I'm winging it. Yeah, okay. This is this is wing it time. Yeah, actually, before we started this episode, Michaela was like, oh, yeah, I did the outline. And then she pulled it up and she was like, wait, it still says content, content, content <laughs> for fill in the blank. I, yeah, I had uh, prepared all the handouts that I wanted to make sure that I had, but I did not actually think through what I wanted to say at any level. Uh, <laughs> it's going to go great. It'll be It'll fine. Be It'll, It'll be fine. I can tell you my what's good, and by this I'm taking to mean one of the weirdest facts about myself, and this is what I am most afraid of in the world. Oh. So I'm going to have you take a guess. Anything that you could imagine me being deeply afraid of. I know, I'm fearless, but... I mean, you are kind of fearless, but I imagine it's some kind of bug or creepy crawly. First of all, yes, I'm very afraid of bugs. I'm very afraid of bugs and centipedes, but that is not actually the thing. Oh, centipedes. Centipedes are the worst. I once lived in a house that was infested with silverfish. Do you know what those are? Yes. Oh, no. Oh, I no. hate those mother truckers. For those of you who don't know, they're these tiny demon spawn that are <laughs> that run at the speed of fucking light. They're so fast. Yeah, and they live in wood of old houses, and they look like tiny centipedes. And well, they, and they these... just like wet areas. If it's a little damp, oh. like if you have it in your bath, they like to be in bathrooms. Yeah, and they have these arched legs, and they yeah. look like... And long antennas, oh. and then they have little butt spines. Like I, little butt pokers. Oh my god, I'm literally getting nauseous <laughs> thinking about them. No, that is not my deepest fear. Those and earwigs. Yes, and they look similar. I mean, they're different colors, yeah. but the structure of them is similar. Ah, uh, anything you know with, what I mean? Ugh, they have I'm, little butt spines and the little head big uh, antennas. I don't like and them. Multiple legs. I don't like them. 
Too fast. Too many butt pictures. Don't like it. Do not like. Actually, my deepest fear is possession. (laughs) Shit. Oh, me too. You know what? Me too. Really? Honestly. Demon possession would be the most terrifying thing. Yes. That is possibly my biggest fear. So there was a period of time in grad school where a friend of mine, I'll say a colleague of mine, had a patient who was pretty convinced that they were possessed and we would do group supervision and I was like, fuck this, I am out. Like, I'm not doing this. I don't want to unpossess this person and then get... It's like, no, no, I'm not giving you advice. I am not interested in helping you with this case. I don't want anything to do with this. Because the very first movie, obviously, that I watched having to do with possession was The Exorcist Mm. and that is terrifying. But I like... Couldn't look away. It was such a like well done movie. Yeah, it keeps you on the edge of the seat. Yeah, and then I watched the Exorcism of Emily Rose, mm. which is kind of like another she, level of yeah movie. possession. Yeah. It's basically it is based off of a allegedly true story, but there's this attorney. She doesn't believe in any of this stuff, which is like kind of where my head's at with it. And then the attorney over time is arguing in favor of this priest who had basically tried to depossess a woman Mm -hmm. it was actually originally a case in germany i think oh yeah fun facts anyway and so i the attorney gradually begins to believe what happened and like she keeps getting woken up at 3 a.m and her tape recordings of the possession keep like starting playing in the middle of the night and i was just like no 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 (laughs) that's a hard path over here guys (laughs) yeah that's gonna be a no from me dog i i am not interested and even there, I definitely have had clients, and this is a whole nother episode, but come to me and tell me, like, I, quote, brought something back from there. Like, name a negative place they went, house, oh, war, gosh. it doesn't matter. But they think that, like, like, they brought something negative back from there. And I'm like, I'm out. Like, get thee to uh, yeah, somebody yeah. who... I've un- some who definitely been like, my house is haunted, or I lived in this place, and I know it was haunted. Yeah. Like, I've had those conversations. Yeah. yeah. You're like, I'm out. Like, <laughs> No, I am out. I'm like, can I go ghost hunting? (laughs) No, no, nothing to do with it. No, thank you, please. So that's my what's good, my fun fact about myself this week. I love that. I'll just jump off of it too and say, yeah, my I love I love ghosty things. I've always been. I was always the 13 year old that had the slumber parties with a Ouija board, Mm -hmm. and we would do like the little spirit lift. Oh yeah, light as a feather, stiff as a board. Yes, Mm -hmm. go on ghost hunts, but we didn't have the equipment. Like I was never Mm -hmm. skilled enough to actually go buy equipment for that. You're just like running through the forest, like woo, (laughs) (laughs) or we'd go to like some creepy house and kind of like wander around nearby. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I heard somewhere that. I, I can't remember which president it was. I want to say it was Obama used to pretend to be a ghost in the White House <laughs> and like and scare his kids. <laughs> so like they'd be telling stories during, you know, sleep yeah. orders and stuff, just like normal family stuff. And he'd like hide behind the couch and like rattle it and be like, woo. And I want to do that. I want to do that so bad to people. It's like scare them and pretend that I'm a ghost. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. I've heard where like the dads will like call and then they'll like do like the creepy phone call. Oh. Oh my gosh, can that be our actual job is to just do like crank calls where we pretend to be ghosts? I think in another episode I referenced also trying to pretend to be a ghost. So it's going to be really important for the future of our podcast, guys. (laughs) It is spooky season, so. Yeah, it's spooky season. Well, in how we're recording these episodes, guys, you may... You'll kind of catch up with us later. We're doing a bunch at one time to make sure that you have a ballless, I guess is the word, of them to listen to. Yeah, we want you to be able to binge in the beginning. Yeah. So you can kind of get a taste for the flavor to come. Yeah, so we're doing them over weeks and weeks and weeks, and right now it's approaching October, and so that's kind of where we're at. By the time you listen to this, I don't know, but it's spooky season for us, and we're pumped. Right. We are pumped. So did you end up doing anything for uh, outside of session? So last time we didn't have the yep. homework. However, yep. I am still working on the meditation. Okay. I will say that when I did have COVID, that threw my self-care and all that kind of out the window. Although I had more time to do it. Yeah. It, it just didn't happen. So I'm kind of trying to reestablish that routine right yeah. now. No excuses. Play like a champion. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Yeah, that... It makes sense. If you've got the Rona, it's all bets are off. You just yeah, got it. It threw off a lot of routine and, and efforts that used to be made routinely. Yeah. The homework <laughs> at that point is just try not to die. Yeah. Stay alive. <laughs> I tried to, 
I didn't really do anything specific. I was gone for quite some time. So one of the things I tried to do was to be more aware of the present moment. And just as a person, I tend to have, well, I don't know if this has always been true, but for the past year and a half, I've just had like racing thoughts of next thing, next thing, next thing, Mm -hmm. planning, moving, doing. And since the time off, I've tried to say, I'm not doing that right now. I'm doing this. Right. And I literally will say it out loud to my brain, mm-hmm. maybe like oh, a crazy yeah. person. No, no, no. Sometimes <laughs> that's where you have to start. Yeah, yeah. I have to say it out loud. So I'll be in the car. Let's say I'm driving home listening to a really pleasant song. And then all of a sudden I start ruminating about five patients at work that I have to write notes on. And I'll yeah. be like, I'm not doing that right, right. now. I'm listening to Enya in the car. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Let me enjoy this moment. I can't do anything about that situation right now. Yep. I will deal with it. When I need to deal with it. Yeah. My yeah. my brain's like a bad puppy. Like to be like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. So that's what I've been trying. And I think the big result for me is just it's unknotting my stomach a little bit. It's really oh, slow though. So I think yeah. a lot of people at home would find the same thing. Is it's constant work and it probably happens maybe I'm able to catch it about 25% of the time, but it's better than it was before. Yeah. And that's exactly how I kind of started my mindset change process where I I was I would never say I was necessarily a pessimist. I would always say I was overall an optimist, but towards myself mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I could do and what I needed to do and what I felt obligated to do or required to do. So you had, racy thoughts. You and, had stopped yeah. in the middle of it. Like in the middle of the thought, what would you say to yourself if you were having those racy? Same, same thing that same you're thing. talking about. Yeah, oh. I'd be like, I can't do anything about that right now. Like, you know, I would I would check in my locus of control. Like, is this something that I can even deal with? Yeah. Is this something that I can even do anything towards? And mm-hmm. if not, then I just need to either let it go or process why the F it's something that's bothering me. Right. And then if it was something I could do about, I would mentally kind of say, okay, well, when can I, can I do it now? Mm-hmm. Or do I need to put this, you know, yeah. this kind of thing? And, oh, yeah. that's actually another thing I've started to do. I, my old grad school advisor and I have the same opinion that when you write something down, it actually activates mm-hmm. different cognitive networks. So when I am having those racing thoughts, I'll keep a little log, like a worry log. And yep. so I'll just like write it down. This is the thing I need to do. And then I'll have a period of time each day where it's like, okay, I'm planning. I'm getting all of the plan together for the next whatever amount of time. And then outside of that, if those worries come up, it's like, I'll write it down real quick. And then it's like, okay, it's in the log. Like I, Yep. I will address it when I can address it. Now I won't forget about it. So it doesn't need to keep popping in my goddamn head. Right. That's, that's tomorrow during worry time. We don't do that right now. Yes. And that is a really good tip guys for, for those of you who are kind of anxious worriers is actually scheduling a time for you to worry. Mm Mm-hmm. Like Sunny's saying, pick a time of day that works for you. Maybe not right, right before bed, but, mm-hmm. you know, maybe morning would be good. Yeah. I usually do mine in the morning. I Because it... The key, though, is when you do create that list, go back to kind of what we were talking about with the values exercises. And, mm-hmm. like, if, if you're putting things on the list that are not consistent with your values, you can put them on there. But, like, go back later and be like... Is that even something that... Yeah, because sometimes time away from that will help you realize that that worry isn't really valid. Yeah, you don't actually need to do anything about it. It's like, yeah. cool, I put that down. Right. But it, it's a good way to catch yourself so you're not wasting your entire day thinking about everything that you think you need to do or everything that's going on. So you're missing out on living life because you're in your head. Yeah. So this is a way for you to catch yourself and say, no, it's not worry time right now. If it's something that keeps popping up, then write it down and I'll think about that at worry time. Yep. This is this is thought for stopping. Yeah, thought stopping. It's that is a great technique. And also I think people people like me who have I actually never used to have that. I wouldn't have really? Yep. I would not have described myself as an anxious person. It's probably been the last that's a year and a half. I think it's something to do with being a healthcare worker in the pandemic. It's like that's fair. That's fair. Really fucked me up. You guys, we could do an episode of healthcare workers in the pandemic. Like, we all have PTSD now. Like, oh, definitely. It's cray cray. And so I, th- I never, never used to have that sort of a problem. And I noticed it like came up. And the way I noticed it was affecting me actually was I'd be chronically tired. Mm. Like, even if I was just sitting 
down. Just fatigued all the time. Yeah, just constantly exhausted. And it's because you're using all your energy to worry. Anyway, I went off on a whole ass another That topic. was a great tangent, though. Yeah. It was good discussion. Yeah, this is, this is what I'm working on. I also was told this weekend by somebody I know well that they don't perceive me as a person who has problems, which is so wild because I feel like I'm very open about having problems but it actually seems like i'm not it turns because out you're very resilient you bounce yeah. back you don't let you don't see a problem and say oh no it's a problem i can't do you see a problem you're like okay well what am i gonna fucking do about it yeah i want to punch the problem in the face <laughs> right and so that's why they don't perceive you as problems because you don't let problems stop you and yeah you know paralyze you where which a lot of people do that makes sense and it's weird too because I think maybe I say my problems in a really calm way when they're Yeah. I've had to I'm sure that that's a factor. <laughs> I've had to tell I've had to start using threat levels with people. Like I'll be like it's threat level green, yellow, orange, red <laughs> because nobody can read my facial expressions. So it's like I guess I'll just tell you I don't know because it seems like people don't take me seriously when I say things really calmly or that they don't think I'm having an issue. So I just say like yellow, orange, burnt burnt that's sienna. Good for, that's good for me to know. That's good. Cuz yeah. I I think overall, I mean, I've definitely seen you get a little escalated on things, mm-hmm. but overall you you tend to be a pretty chill cucumber externally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're ever seeing me get escalated, it's like, <clears throat> I am pissed. Yeah. <laughs> that probably goes for me too. If, if, I'm, yeah. if I'm amped, you better step away and just throw some food at me. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, it's like Tiger King up in here. <laughs> it is. <laughs> here you go here you go here you go that that is makes total sense anyway my tiger what are we talking about today today we are going to talk about healthy intimate relationships and fair fighting rules and and all that good jazz we've kind of given you red flags on dating and what to avoid but we haven't yet really talked about what's good and, and how to be healthy in a relationship yeah like how to communicate effectively and all that stuff yeah. So starting with what does a healthy relationship with somebody even look like? That's kind of the the area where we'd love to break Start. break you off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what do what do you know about that so far? I mean, a healthy relationship there's a lot of components within it, but I would say respect is a big big first one, you know, treating the other person as an equal, like a whole person, valuing their thoughts, their feelings, their opinions. You know, even if it's different you can still respect the fact that this is something that they enjoy and that they believe or that they. Yeah. And as, as a behavior respect, looks like not interrupting. Right. Not being critical of somebody else's perspective. Yeah. Not um, putting them down for what they, what my poor husband could be making heck of fun of me for my ghosts if he wanted to, because mm-hmm. I know he's not into that at all, <laughs> but he respects the fact that I like to, Talk to ghosts. <laughs> and, and also has a healthy fear. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> it's always important for one person to be a little afraid. No, just kidding. Just no, kidding. No, no, not true. Not true. Being kind and thoughtful about this is what they enjoy, letting them do it, not interrupting them when they're talking about what, what's passionate to them, even if to you it sounds silly and you mm-hmm. can't understand it. Yeah. Supporting that. Yeah. yeah. A partner that's supportive about your passions. Sure. Yeah. I have also got here that kind of, well, I don't want to interrupt. Did you have other things first? Oh, I have a whole bunch of things, but we can go back and forth if you want. Oh, mine are more like, you know what it is based on what it's not. So I'll start my very first one with, and I've kind of taken these from the Gottman Institute, which Ooh. is the kind of evidence-based Someday relationship. I take their whole training, like, yeah. like three-day yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good one. They have a lot of research out about healthy mm-hmm. marriages and relationships and what it looks like to be healthy. Mm-hmm. So they have something called the four horsemen of the relationship yeah, apocalypse. I love it. Go for it. Yeah. So the very first one, the the negative thing that if it shows up, it's a problem is criticism. So criticism means basically always attempting to crap on what somebody else is telling you or make it seem less than or bad. So in that way, we can infer what the positive, the opposite side of that is in a relationship, which would be support and non-judgment, which is just going to what you just said. It's support and non-judgment. And this is, again, this is not something that we're making up. This is an evidence base. We know this based in the science. You need support and non-judgment in a healthy relationship. And it's something to think about. There are times where you don't... You maybe you think you're no, I am supportive, I am helpful, but myself even I had to check myself on criticisms because I am a hyper cleaner. Mm. I like things to be a certain way. Yeah. And when I first 
got married, I had to really adjust my standards because initially I would be very critical and I would put down and I learned that that was not effective. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, that, that was not a way for me to communicate with him that this is what I desired. And I, I honestly wasn't communicating assertively about it either. Right. You know, what did I actually want? I wasn't specifically saying that. I was saying a vague comment and then expecting him to know exactly how I wanted yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right. It, shitting on something is not assertiveness. Assertiveness no. is labeling a need and then stating the need. Whereas criticism is just like, hey, you're bad at this. <laughs> right. Like, I can't, you didn't clean this right. Or, uh, of course, you couldn't do the dishes the way. Or, yeah, right. You know, like those kind of little comments. <laughs> yeah. And yes. <laughs> they're not helpful. They're not going to make the person do better next time. It's not going to encourage them to do better next time. Right. So support and non-judgment is really the way to go. But again, this is, everybody keep in mind, this is within limits. And this is all understanding you're not in an abusive relationship. Like these are all within the context of your relationship is not abusive. We've established that based on last episode. Okay, here's how to know it's supportive then. Yeah. Okay. So criticism is my first one. Yeah. So I think within that then is this communication, how to talk openly about the problems and listen Mm -hmm. to the other person and have those reflection skills when you're listening so they can feel understood. Mm -hmm. I agree totally. And that goes right along with the two other, two of the other Gottman concepts. One is stonewalling. Mm-hmm. which is when you basically ignore somebody the when treatment. yeah the silent treatment you ignore somebody when they're talking to you or bringing up their issues so you're saying the opposite of that so stonewalling is one of the four horsemen the opposite for a healthy relationship would be open communication yeah yeah so if there's something that's bothering you being willing to talk about it but again going into that with curiosity almost like you're curious about why what their perception is of this problem like here's something that i'm seeing and it's distressing me mhm so if you go at it in that perspective, you're on the same team. Right. You, know, you, you want to communicate in a way that you're trying to make sure that the team knows what the game plan is. Yes. You know? Yes. That's actually something that I was going to talk about a little bit later. But the the foundation of a healthy relationship is a we standpoint. This is something mm-hmm. I struggle with as a human being, just <laughs> like at all. Like I cannot. Yeah, yeah. I Using the sentence, we like this or we do this about anything ever. Like I'm like, I'm lone wolfing it. And now yeah, I'm. Me too. Yeah. I'm working on it. Yeah. It's really hard. And you have to basically imagine a relationship. This could even be a friendship, actually. But a, a romantic relationship is really about. There is a we. It's an us and them, honestly. Like there is there is us, but then there is the problem is them. The yes. problem that you're trying yeah, to attack. You externalize the passive aggressive conversations mm-hmm. or the, you know, that is dis- that is disrupting our harmony. So mm-hmm. we need to address it together. Right. We can fight this negative thing. We can fight depression. We can fight communication problems. We can fight financial problems. We don't attack each other about it. We're on the same team. Right. And you literally address it like that's your teammate. Yes. Yeah. Other things. Trust and su- okay. So we talked a lot about support, but trust and I w- then honesty and accountability. Yes. So it's basically what it boils down to is some kind of authenticity, mm-hmm. being able to show your partner what you really are, who you really are, and what you actually need to thrive. Yeah, being a hundred percent the weird self that you want to be. You know, mm-hmm. if if you can take off your mask and get your bra off and mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> just be the little gremlin yes. that you want to be. Yeah. The, <laughs> the creature of the night, the yes. swamp creature. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Fully embrace that so that then you can feel truly loved yeah. by your partner. Because if you never let your guard down, you're never going to feel that deep intimacy with them. That's very true. And this, again, leads exactly into the concept. The fourth horseman of the relationship apocalypse is contempt. Mm. When somebody shows you their weirdo side, their warmth, their kind of like creepy creatureness, their gremlin (laughs) side, then then that is when you meet them with warmth and authenticity. If you don't, if you are um, unkind or contemptuous to that, then then that is – likely to harm the relationship. So ways of doing that are like affirmation and supportive touch and things like that to be to be the opposite of contemptuous. Right. Right. So and I also had a couple more. This is not I don't know if these things are evidence-based, but these are things that I see in practice. Mm-hmm. If I to be fair, everybody, I am not 
I don't often do couples counseling. I am kind of repelled by it, frankly. <laughs> it's um, a difficult. It's a difficult task, guys. It really is. Yeah, it it is. There's a lot of unknown inside things that can be potentially dangerous. Mm. That that as a therapist, unless you're in that relationship, which you better not be. <laughs> <laughs> there is a huge fucking problem. There's a huger problem then. Yeah. You're not going to catch on and, and it could be, you know, some type of abusive thing that is subtly being done that you don't even know that is impacting the way that you're trying to. Yes, yeah. that's exactly why I have a hard time with couples therapy, because I can't I love to have objective information or data points. Yeah. And when you've got two people, it makes it even harder to figure out what the actual data is on the situation for yes. me anyway. And then I'm monitoring double the amount of nonverbals in session. It's a yes, whole thing. It's it, a lot. It's a whole thing. But anyway, people who I see f- who fight really well and then who make up really well and have good relationships usually have good boundaries. Like mm. even though they are a we, they both have their own individual identities and yes. hobbies and friends. They're not totally codependent. They, they yes. like to do a few things independently. A good way to think about it is if you were dancing with a partner, like think about a true ballet kind of dance. You know, they, they come together and they lift each other up and they do these things, but then they separate and they do a little dance on Ooh. the side. Michaela just hit her mic. That's what Sorry, that sound guys. was. <laughs> she was like just... I was doing the dances with my arm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was dancing, yes. Um, but yeah, so so you go and you dance separately and then you come together and again, you lift each other up and you, you twirl and do yes. all these beautiful things and then you separate. Yes, and you watch and sometimes one partner has the spotlight. Yeah. Right? Not both. Sometimes you step back while the other ballerina does, does this. the main thing. Yeah, yeah. Does this beautiful move and you're there just to catch her when she comes through the whatever, the right, gateway. At the end of the, the giant jump at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dirty dancing style. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so boundaries is a good thing. Um, and along with that, consent is consent is critical to yeah. a relationship. I just always like to put that out there. And finally, the big thing that – I actually think makes relationships easier is humor. Some kind of, you know, of course I would have oh, to bring yeah. that up. Oh, yeah. It, I think it makes it lighter and it helps you take a minute, take a breath, not yeah. take yourself so seriously when you're in yeah, the middle of a fight. Joke with each other and, and joke at each other, not in a mean way, because there mm-hmm. are a lot of people who are sarcastic and actually very mean and put down and critical, but they're trying to make it a joke. That's mm-hmm. that's not what we're talking about. No, we're talking about like if you're in the middle of the fight, like I'm trying to think of a good example. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, okay. My partner, <laughs> one time we were playing video games together oh, and it was some like spaceship game oh. or whatever. And I was just being kind of a, yeah, I was a gremlin that day. I'm going to be real. And he was he was flying this rocket ship and i was like don't go over there don't go over there don't go over there and i was like oh my god it's the fucking sun <laughs> and he he landed on the sun and <laughs> and like the rocket ship blew up and i was like so mad about it and then now every time when i'm being an asshole he's like oh my god it's the fucking sun <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, it's the fucking sun. And I think it is so funny when he says it, but you know, you gotta be able to laugh at yourself. And like I was taking this video game like really seriously, you guys. Obviously. Yeah, I'm I'm into that sort of shit. Oh, that makes you laugh. So these are all kind of if you have these different components, these are the components of a long-lasting relationship. And I think a lot of times people will see this if you even look back on your own family tree or within laterally of your family if there are think about the successful couples that you Mm -hmm. see in those in those families or even friendships that you have you may notice that some of these key features are at play and it's not dramatic it's 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 all subtle and it's mm -hmm. consistent it's consistent it's gray area it's day-to-day yeah it's not this up and down constantly no it's not that roller coaster yeah yeah so what are some ways we can communicate and express our love towards our partner so first and foremost i would say with just communication is that assertive communication Mm -hmm. assertive communication is when you're clearly stating your needs and wants Mm -hmm. you're going to be making eye contact you're going to be listening to the other person without interrupting them Mm -hmm. you're going to stay at an appropriate speaking volume so you're not going to have those 
sarcastic things or you're not going to start escalating and raise your voice. And I will acknowledge that when I get upset, that's, I actually have had my husband, he will call me out, but this is something we've agreed upon. And he will say, Michaela, you're raising your voice. Mm -hmm. So he's describing my behavior specifically. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not saying calm down. Mm -hmm. You don't, don't fucking tell a woman to calm down. Yo, that's the fastest, that's the fastest fastest way way to escalate. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You, you will get killed. Yeah. No, so he's just specifically describing my behavior, and I can't de- refute that. I'm like, you know what? I am. You're right. I need to take need to take a bit. Yep. Let's come back and talk about this after I've taken a couple deep breaths. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. My partner, on the other hand, just yells, "I'm escalating!" It's like our oh, that's so funny. A funny phrase, like when one of us catches ourselves one. or the other one being a little extra yeah we just yell i'm escalating I and like we make this hilarious like gesture with it we like throw our arms back and our head back we're like i'm escalating <laughs> <laughs> it's my it's my favorite but That's yeah so exactly the behavioral yeah. indicators of you've got some kind of boundaries in the conversation it's an open communication yes. and there's assertiveness going on right so again you're expressing those feelings and thoughts calmly um, sometimes within those conversations, if it is kind of a heated one, you need to plan out what you're going to say. Pick like what is the actual problem mm-hmm. and how do I want to address it? If it's good for you, I like to kind of write it out sometimes. Like if, yeah. it's, if it's a really heated thing, I need to kind of mentally get my thoughts on paper. Yeah. And then that way, when we do have that conversation, I can make sure I'm keeping off track because sometimes with those arguments, everything and, you know, the whole baby in the bathwater situation mm-hmm. comes out of the woodworks. Mm-hmm. When that's not what the whole situation is about. Yeah. And then you're talking about like Christmas 10 years ago and you're Yeah. It's like, why is this even a conversation? Right. I think another way to communicate and express love towards your partner, one of the ways that I like to do it is words of affirmation. Um, Um, Yeah, the love languages. Yeah. so, So here's the thing about love language. I don't know... The evidence support, but I can say that there is, there are some of the ways that we can communicate love. There are Correct. many, there are many ways to Correct. communicate love. It's not just these ways, you guys. Right. But words of affirmation, uh, I think, is a good one. People, people don't get a lot of feedback about things they're doing positively. So saying what you admire about them, what their strengths are, what you find attractive about them even yeah. can be really good yeah just oh you look sharp today mm-hmm. they're like oh look at your hair yeah <laughs> what's up with that booty though <laughs> yeah, yeah i like to write little notes yeah just in the morning when i leave i will write a little note saying you know this is what's going on this is maybe when i'll get home so there's a little sometimes there'll be a honeydew in there yeah but one time i rickrolled it's like never gonna give you (laughs) (laughs) sucker (laughs) yeah pranks Uh, are love pranks can be love nice nice pranks yeah nice pranks yeah Yeah. but like putting a little note in their lunch you know you can do these with your kids too you know Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to just be these love languages or your friends yeah or friends any relationship you can be kind in this way yeah another love language is just quality time Mm mm-hmm So that is spending time with somebody, but giving them your undivided attention. Mm -hmm. So you're not both sitting there on your phones. Mm -hmm. You're actually talking, conversing. I love long car rides for this. I think that like if I can trap my husband in a car, I'm like, we will have some quality time today. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sucker. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, entrapment is a love language. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Do not capture your beloved, please. Do not capture them. They have to be consenting. Remember. (laughs) (laughs) Do not hogtie your beloved. (laughs) But if you think about it, we've talked a little about boundaries with time. You know, time is something you can never get back. Time is something that just... You know, we get so busy with our day and so absorbed with all the things that we think we need to do. So if you actually spend quality time, mm-hmm. intimate time where you're talking or you're you're engaging in an activity together, mm-hmm. you know, if you go axe throwing or, mm-hmm. you know, dancing, do do something together if, or just talk. If you do like watching shows, like then you better be cuddling. Yeah. And like inner talking about it, like doing, you know. <laughs> yeah. So you've it, described other ways to express love. One is novel shared experiences, mm-hmm. engaging in novel shared experiences. Two, physical touch, 
of course, yeah, consenting. Yeah, that's also a love language, technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think there are like more than the four or five, yeah, however many yeah. they say. But yeah, exactly. Technically, that's one of them as well as physical touch. And I think also manual labor, like acts of service. It's, acts of service is the one. And then the other one is receiving gifts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, gifts gifts are uncomfortable to me but the thing is is i think that in in that sort of framework what they talk about is like you've got one primary one and then like other secondary ones whereas my perception is really that people just need a little bit of all yeah like it's a spread the wealth and that there are even more than because we've even added some just in this conversation that there's lots of ways to give and receive love and it needs to be the key too is that it needs to be reciprocal Right. And you also need to kind of know what does what does your partner really need most. So like knowing, listening to us and saying like, oh, yeah, like I would really enjoy a note or I would really enjoy spending time with just my husband or a little smack on the butt or handhold or um, let's see, with acts of service, what those are is when you're helping clean, you're cooking, going, cooking you're getting the groceries, you're maybe mowing the yard, you're doing those kind of chores for the other person, mm-hmm. you know, to help lighten their load. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the receiving gifts doesn't necessarily always have to be big gifts. Sometimes that's just coming home from the grocery store with their favorite candy bar. Yeah. Yeah. I have a... Or stopping on the side of the road and picking a flower. Like old school, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Like I thought of you, like out of sight, but they were not out of mind situations. Yeah. yeah. I've had several patients tell me that they're gifts people and that... If their partner were to just like get them a rock that made them think of them on the way home, that right. that that would be that enough. Would mean a lot. Yeah, it's just something showing a physical representation that you've been thought of. Right. So every relationship has some conflict because every person is different. How do we make sure that we are resolving these conflicts or maybe even managing these conflicts before they start? Managing them before they start. That's a hard way to put it. I would. I mean, because you can't until the there's something. You know, until some bloods hit the water. (laughs) I don't know if you can really. I mean, if you if you engage in these kind of ways to support and build up your partner and are constantly expressing your love, I do think you're going to be less likely to fall into these conflict traps. Yeah, I agree with you totally. But ultimately, like you said, you are two different people who were raised in two different families with two different cultures. And you're trying to come together and become a team. Yeah. With two different ideals and values, potentially. Yeah. There's going to be some conflict. That's very normal. I think one thing to keep in mind is that there's, I don't know how to say this, there's two phases of any kind of treatment. One is prevention before it starts and one is response. Mm. So prevention and response. And then I guess there's maintenance, which could be three phases, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prevention, as far as, I, I tend to be a prevention model person personally like once we get something off of fire i want to keep, keep it, it off, off fire. of fire <laughs> okay so you're saying like when you rec- when you identify which things are the triggers yes exactly uh, okay that's okay. exactly now it. i'm picking up what you're laying down yeah that's exactly <laughs> it so spoiler alert one of the ways to do prevention efforts is to have a clear discussion this is kind of talking about building love maps which is what the gottman institute talks about which is What are the ways that you give and receive love? What are your triggers? What are your touchy points? Understanding that relationships are dynamic. They're kind of moving through time and managing your expectations of the other person, being clear about those things. Mm -hmm. Another one is recognizing each other's coping skills. So just like you recognize their triggers, you're aware of how they cope and what their strengths are. what they need. Yeah. When you do need to give them space or, yeah. Yeah. I I like to call this relationship jujitsu and I tell my patients to move with the force of the blow, Mm. not against it. Yeah. So that means use, basically what I'm saying is use the strength to your advantage. So I as a partner, let's see, a weakness of mine is probably that I like to fly solo from time to time. Like I, I think that I'm a lone wolf even though I'm not. But that could be a strength of mine too, which is that like I'll get a bunch of shit done. So Mm -hmm. instead of trying to change all of those parts about me that I am a lone wolf, whatever, whatever, include me in the plan Let and and give me some kind of information about what you need and I'll make it all happen. But it's it's more of a like lean with that resistance rather than trying to criticize the person for that personality characteristic. Yeah, roll with the resistance. Learn learn other ways to kind of communicate or work with that habit or behavior yeah if it's if it's a essential component of you know if the person yeah Yeah. 
if that person is like, oh yeah, I hate that thing about me too. I actually really want to work on that and change that. That's different. That's yeah. Different. yeah. Yeah. That's different. And there are things that people should change. But the other thing that I, I talk a lot about to people is you need to manage your own stress. Yes. So if you're managing your own stress in a relationship, that's going to really, really promote benefit in the partnership. Definitely. I think a lot of people mistakenly think that once I have all these, like once I have this relationship figured out, once I have this job figured out, everything will fall into place. Well, the reality is once you figure yourself out, things will just fall into place. Like you have to work on you. You're not going to get, you're not going to have love. Again, I think we talked about this in self-compassion until you love yourself. You're never going to truly feel like your relationship is all that it could be if you aren't working on your own shit. Absolutely. That is so true. And there's actually even some like really cool sex research about that, that people's libidos, there's only a very small subset of the population that libido actually goes up when they're stressed. Um, oh. Yeah, there's there's a very small subset of the population that that does happen for oh. when they're anxious or stressed out. Right. But for the most part, people's libidos and relationship communication. That makes sense to me. I just, yeah. yeah all of it just kind of. darn sex offenders that I worked with skewed my perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I... Because that's... They sex is coping is one of the risk factors for those guys. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. That is so funny. I have like the complete opposite end of the spectrum of experiences where I'm like, hey, everybody, sex is okay. Yeah. Here's how we do it. Here's consent. Here's normal information. I often find I have patients that don't know like... 101 and i swear to you i never this was not what i intended to do when i went into psychology but i had to become real comfortable with these conversations just because i mean i'm a trauma therapist so like oh yeah you dealt with the the people who experienced probably some kind of trauma that whether it was a sexual trauma or just other different type of trauma that does impact yeah their sex drive whereas Mm -hmm. whereas yeah i was dealing with the people who were hyper sexualized like (laughs) I'm going to fix everything by jacking off. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't do it, huh? It didn't do it for him, unfortunately. Weird. But that's still the one they went to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, this time it's going to happen. It's going to (laughs) happen. Anyway, yeah. So Uh, managing your own stress is really a key to a a functional relationship. And then I always like to also add in there, um, we we talked about dear man as a relationship communication strategy. So describe the situation objectively express your emotion assert your need reinforce why it's good for everybody do it mindfully appear confident and negotiate right yeah well there's also a way of doing that that they describe they call it give fast this is in dialectical behavioral therapy so you do it with a gentle interested validating and easy manner with fairness Lack of apologies, sticking to values, and truthfulness. If you abide by these kind of like rules, managing your own stress, dear man, give fast, and recognize the other person's triggers and strengths, you're gonna do okay. Yeah, the the prevention is there. Work through it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you probably know more about resolving it once the conflict has started. Sounds like. Yeah. So when you are trying to manage conflict, I mean, before you even begin, before you even go address the person first you need to ask yourself why you feel upset like what really happened that is upsetting you was it something internally like is it really just a way that you're responding is it a trigger that you have or did they actually do something did they step over a boundary are you truly angry because your partner left the mustard on the counter or are you upset because you feel like you're doing an uneven share of the housework. You know, that kind of a situation. Yeah, that makes sense. Getting to the core of the issue, right. being able to express that. Yeah, because you're you're not going to have an effective conversation about about the situation if you're not actually truly identifying what was wrong about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Then it's discussing that one issue at a time. So like we had said before, don't bring up the old things. We're only addressing this. We can't fix everything at once. That's my that is my kryptonite right it's there it's so hard it yeah. is it's that's so my kryptonite because you're like and then you did it this time and then this other time and let me pull out this log of all the times you've done this crazy thing right. that i hate yes but again then you're score keeping which is mm-hmm. saying that you're on opposite teams yes yes score keeping it could be a fifth relationship apocalypse horse it could be. yeah yeah not using degrading language so again don't be doing put downs or name calling you really have to be able to express this issue in a 
calm, assertive way without trying to call them names like you're a slob and you do these, <laughs> you yeah. do these things. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you need to, again, describe the behavior. So I noticed that after I did this thing here, you did this thing and it upset me because of this. And you can always start it with I feel or I felt I felt really taken advantage of when you use this thing over here or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's being clear and in the moment. Yes, exactly. And then you need to take turns. So you're going to describe why this situation is upsetting you and what was upsetting about it and how it made you feel. And again, try not to use the you, you, you language. Try to use the I language and what was actually going on. Describe it in detail. And then let them express their perspective of the situation. And do not interrupt them. Let them speak it through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Kind of the, if I'm looking at the, again, the Gottman Institute model of the sound relationship house, we've talked about the prevention, which is building love maps, getting to know the other person really well, making sure that you're aware of their strengths and their triggers. And then we talked earlier about a love language basically being having a positive novel experiences so what they call that is sharing fondness and admiration so you're you're having these positive experiences and you're actually sharing what you like about that other person Mm -hmm. the next step up being turning towards the person when you're in an argument which is what made me think of this is because you were just saying like you're not scorekeeping you are on a team and so when you are frustrated and something bad is going on you're turning in towards them and you're considering eye contact yep and it's we it's not me all the time and we're fighting depression we're fighting the fight we're not trying to let that divide us right we're defining the problem and we're going to fight that together and you have to define the problem from both points of view Mm -hmm. so within that you need to use those reflection skills i'm hearing that you're upset about this situation because this and this and this Mm -hmm. and then through that again you're you're taking it as a curious perspective you're not trying to get angry about it. You're trying to be like, why, why is this upsetting to you? This is why it's upsetting to me. I want to understand. And when you ask it in those kind of clarifying questioning ways, their other person is going to be more open to expressing themselves and you're going to be less triggered about it. And you're going to be able to brainstorm then for those solutions. So now that you've clarified, is this really what you're upset about? Sometimes they'll be like, no, actually, that's not at all what I was trying to say. I was trying to say this. And then you can. Yes, yes, yes. This is a good point. I think the curiosity, it cannot be understated. Right. So not coming in with a sense of superiority, arrogance, feeling like you know everything about this person, truly trying to like as if you had never met them before, what is it they're saying to me? Right. And do I really understand what they're saying? You know, they may use some terminology and you're like, okay, but to me, that terminology means this. You yeah. Know, sometimes, sometimes he's, my husband isn't as well versed in like, you know, the emotion words as I am. Mm-hmm. So sometimes he'll say something. I'm like, so is this really what you're saying? And I can be way off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. it helps uh, clarify what's really happening for each of us. And we can then brainstorm for what is something that we can, you know, what's the solution to this? Maybe we both need to work a little bit on a thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you also just have to choose a time to actually have this conversation. So after you've defined the problem, sometimes if you approach that person and say, hey, I want to talk about this, they might not be ready to talk about it yet. They mm-hmm. might need to find the problem for themselves. Mm-hmm. So you might need to actually schedule a time. I know this sounds really ridiculous. It's true. It's absolutely true. You may need to schedule a time. Yeah. It, and some of us are like, we need to cool off more yes. before the time happens. And so scheduling a time helps you be cool. Yes, it helps you de-escalate yourself because as time has passed, maybe you'll reflect and be like, oh, shit, yeah, I got really mad about that mustard, but it really... Yeah, it wasn't... It wasn't the mustard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's not about the mustard. Right, right. And so scheduling a time is really good. And plus, a lot of us are busy and you want to have these discussions when you're both not distracted, when you're calm, and when you're in a decent headspace. Because the goal is to work together. And it's hard to do that when somebody's hungry. The acronym they use in um, Alcoholics Anonymous and Substance Use Treatment is HALT. You don't want to have a negative conversation. And you're most likely to relapse, actually, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Mm. And so you want to – if you're having HALT, that means stop. Do not have the conversation then. Do not do the thing then and try another time. At this moment, you can write down that it's a thing that you're upset about so you can remember that it's something you want to address. But go de-escalate. Go eat 
something. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Go take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> Have a snack. Yeah. <laughs> Have a snack. And really, even during your arguments, if it starts to get escalated, especially in the beginning, because if you're both trying to change patterns of behaviors right here while you're communicating, give yourself another timeout. Sometimes you need to say, you know, I'm getting too escalated again. Let's talk about this in an hour. Like, let me go take a walk. Right. Right. I agree with that totally. And I think kind of, again, continuing with that relationship framework from the Gottman Institute of a Healthy House, we have that positive perspective that when we do these things, it will work. Trying to keep a positive attitude about it, using Michaela's steps for managing conflict, and then having shared dreams and shared goals as a partner. Yeah. So there's like goals and dreams you have, goals and dreams your partners has, and then- And how do those converge? Yeah, and then goals and dreams of the relationship. Mm-hmm. I always like to think of the relationship like a third person almost, and we're treating that third person in the room because it you there is an identity kind of formed between the the partners. Yeah, again, so it's it's back to that kind of dancing concept. There is the I, there is the you, and there is the we. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to reinforce the we. When there's a conflict, it's about the we. Mm-hmm. And and the we <laughs> is fighting something else. Yes. The we is externalizing the conflict. Right. And so I have kind of just some healthy things like what to believe. So a healthy thing to think is that my partner thinks and feels differently than I do, which is probably what attracted me to them in the first place. Oh, good point. And by honoring or respecting my partner's differences, I am choosing to keep the relationship healthy. Absolutely. Oh, I love that coping statement. That's a good one. I I like that one a lot. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I have to remind myself every now and again. Yeah. Yeah. Another one, if I want something from my partner, it's my responsibility to ask for it clearly and directly. The fact that I have to do this does not mean that my partner doesn't love me. It only means they cannot read my mind. Right. And, you know, keep in mind, again, outside of abusive context, if somebody's chronically being a douchebag to you and it's like... Then run. Those red flags are there. Yeah. This this is not the conversation for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you need to go back to the last one. Yeah. This is like if you've had mostly green flags and now you are struggling with a little bit of conflict, not the other way around. Anyway, right. yep, good points. Another healthy belief is inflicting pain onto my partner will only result in more relationship turmoil for both of us. Ooh. So if you are trying to be aggressive or passive aggressive, if you are stonewalling, if you, any of those kind of, I'm trying to hurt you or get back at you. That's not going to help anything. Those aren't going to help. Absolutely. We've already talked about this, but in relationships, if there's a winner or a loser, both partners lose because the relationship is damaged. Winning and losing only leads to continued battles and deeper wounds. Mm. Yep. That's a scorekeeping stuff. Exactly. Conflict is inevitable in relationships. It's not conflict that hurts relationships. It's how we choose to handle those conflicts. Yeah, relationships should have conflicts. That's normal. It just means that people have different opinions and are a little spicy about their opinions. That's fine. And again, that might be what really drew you in in the first place. Reflect on that. Sometimes people are really interesting to where they get really attracted to somebody who's very different than them. But then they expect them that person to completely change themselves in that relationship. Mm. And then once that person actually does, if that person does change themselves, then they're no longer interested and mm-hmm. fucking want to carry them the curve. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen that pattern? I have absolutely yeah. seen that pattern. <laughs> That's wild. That's it wild. It is. But it, it's something that happens and it, it's something to reflect on. It is. If you have that pattern, eh, maybe we're talking to you. I don't know. Right. Perfection is not possible. If my relationship is satisfying on a balanced level, then that's good enough. Right. It, honestly, where you want to go with it is this person is adding more value to my life right. than if I were just alone. Right. And they're not detracting value from my life. And they're adding, you know, like more they're than... enhancing. Yeah. yeah. It's a support and enhance kind of situation. It's not a rely on. Mm-hmm. It's not a completely lean on and need everything for right it's it's if you were at 100 percent before now you're at 150 percent right right you don't want to keep anybody around who is adding negative value to your life or even neutral value honestly you want something that is enhancing yeah and sometimes i think that every relationship kind of ebbs and flows there are times where one party might be doing a little more and then the other you know and it, and then it fluctuates yes and so I, I don't think you want to totally just well 
they used to enhance people. Right now, they're being, okay, well, maybe, are they depressed right now? Like, is there, like, yeah. is there a way that you could support them through this little difficult thing? It doesn't mean that they're not going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's the, see, I tend to be, you know me, I'm way harsher about this sort of stuff than you. So what do you feel like is the timeline for how long is it? I mean, there's no evidence I'm aware of for this. True. This uh, thing of, yeah. like, a timeline for I how that's long. Every, that's because it's an individual thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think if somebody is not enhancing my life for, I'd say, a year, that's about that's about my limit. I'm, yeah. I'm out. I think that's a fair uh, number. I also think it also – reflect on what the circumstance is that you think is holding them back. Yeah. Well, let me say that too differently because there are probably different time periods. Like if I was just going into dating, right. I would never let somebody no. add nothing in the beginning, for a no. year. In the beginning, if they ain't wooing the shit out of me, yeah. then bye-bye birdie. Yeah, right. I think, And I and I do think that actually <laughs> should, yeah, yeah. should be I mean, a standard. You don't want them love bombing you in a narcissistic way. That's not what we're talking about. Right. If they're cons- They should always be adding value to your life in the beginning or they don't pass the initial criteria. Right. But we're talking about for like longer term relationships, like People have kids. People die. Yeah, people yeah. lose jobs. Yeah. Are they grieving? Are, are right. they unemployed for a little bit? Like, right. What's the situation and, and how long are you going to let this – like for unemployment, I might have a shorter timeline than I would for somebody who's grieving. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like just consider those kind of things Yeah. when you're absolutely trying to figure out <laughs> – they're the pros and cons do a pro-con analysis. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Another one here, if I change the way that I'm acting, in some fashion I can change the way that my partner's acting. So again, if I am being sweet, if I am being kind, if I am being uplifting, that's going to enhance the way that my partner responds to me. If I am being critical, if I am being cold, if I am withdrawing, mm-hmm. that's going to change the way that my partner responds to me. Yeah. The relationship is a living organism. you got to yeah. treat it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you thinking for an outside of the pod experiment for us? Well, since we're talking on relationships, maybe we should do a little relationship type one. Yeah. I already know what one I got to do. You go first. I've literally been told that I have to do this one. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> I need to turn towards instead of away from. Like when I've got a problem or when I'm struggling, mm-hmm. don't just go inside myself and implode. That's like my favorite move It's just yeah. to go inside and handle it on the home front and yeah. then just not say anything about it and die. Yeah. <laughs> That's my move. But I've been told that it's actually a lot more helpful to engage, describe what you're dealing with, ask for assistance, show some sort of vulnerability. So that is my homework probably forever, honestly. Yeah, it's going to take some time, I'm sure. Yeah, that's going to be like years of homework. (laughs) I would say mine is somewhat similar. I, I tend to shut down. Sometimes I get very frustrated and I shut down and I can't engage anymore and I need to get better at noting that before it happens and saying we need to pop like we need to take a time out yeah like I know that you're really into this and you're kind of interrupting me which is then further <laughs> making yeah me shut down so I need to communicate all of that better yeah and the key for a healthy relationship everybody is like that both partners in the situation in theory would respond positively to these changes right and be supportive of these changes right. that's a green flag yeah you're on the same team so if my teammate needs to tap out for a little bit they pulled a muscle. Yeah. Like, let them sit down and get that addressed, and then we can jump back in the game. Right. Right. It's that it's that supportive kindness that that fuels it. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are those are tough homework assignments. They are. I, think. I think we'll oh. we'll do our best. We'll see. I'm not gonna just like cause a fight just so I can practice. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if I don't work on it next time. Oh <laughs> man. But it is definitely a homework. So I say that that probably wraps up the pod today. Uh, I got a really good. I've been doing like theme jokes lately. I just want you to know. Good with the theme jokes. I tell you what. Okay. Just random. Okay. So why do some couples go to the gym? Why? They want their relationship to work out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah, I thought that was good. That is. I I work out. Another joke. Okay. If I can add it. Yeah, yeah. Add it. Add it. What do you call a fear of giants? No idea. Fee-fi-phobia. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. I hate these so much, but it's just for us, like my own personal enjoyment. Anyway, guys, it has been lovely again hosting you. Uh, please, as we have said before, email us at shityourshrinkthinks at gmail.com if you've yeah. got anything to let us know about, preferences. We want to get to meet you guys because 
whatever way we can. Yeah, preferences for show ideas or funny stories you've got, all good. And then as a reminder, we've got a Patreon and we'd love to do this full time. So if you got any amount of support, that'd be great. We're working on it right now. So we don't, it's going to be a minute until we get every little thing up, but eventually we... Yeah, hypothesize that we're going to have different levels. So just kind of like a tip jar level, you letting us know that we're doing a good job, but then also levels where maybe you get some handouts and maybe you get some meditations, things like that. Yeah, we we really, I I dream of having almost courses on there so you can do kind of your own mental health on yourself a little bit. I mean, obviously, if you, like we talked about in the therapy episode, when you got to go, you got to go, but it doesn't hurt to educate yourself on mental health yeah absolutely so you'll see some things it'll be they're going to be slow moves but kind of keep in mind that if you are supporting us then Then that's more likely to happen yeah yeah (laughs) then then we can get the moves we have day jobs we're doing our best yeah we're doing our best best. (laughs) okay guys thanks so much for your support and we will see you next week bye